joining us for this episode of Level Up, the podcast for marketers, by marketers, created by Lev that distills best practices and strategies focused on helping marketers increase their experience, one-up their strategy, and grow personally and professionally. I'm your host, Jordan Krause, Client Success Provider, and I am uh, partnered here with a couple of special guests from our LEV Consultancy. Joining us is Christy Glessing, our Senior Marketing Consultant, and Brian Esham, our Director of Technical Services. Hello. 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 Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming. So today our topic um, is something I feel like we have been inundated with for the last year, which is how to prepare your data foundation for AI. And just to start the conversation, one of the things that Christy, Brian and I were talking about was to talk about how specifically this year in 2023, how much AI has continued to evolve throughout the past year. I think we've heard a lot of buzzwords, but now even, it's hard to say this, but it's almost Q4. And looking back over the last nine months of this year, like what are your kind of observations of the way that AI has continued to evolve and change? It's a great question. Yeah, I think I think so much has changed, um, especially if we're thinking about in the world of like generative AI. Um, I mean, back in what, January, February, I think most of us didn't, had never even heard that term, didn't even know what it was. And now we're at the point where it's kind of in our, a lot of our daily language of, you know, oh, yeah, let me just put that in chat GPT and we'll see what comes out. So um, I don't know, Christy, what you think, but I think it's just it's like a, a world of difference in the last six to nine months. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it seems like it just... Uh, came out in the conversation and everyone's trying to figure it out and organizations are launching their own GPTs and people are getting really good at prompting questions, um, but it's all, a, a seems like a brand new playground to be on for sure. I feel like in 2022, there was so much conversation that we were having, especially as a consultancy about personalization, creating an improved experience, not a creepy experience, even preparing for um, this podcast, thinking about new ways that I see AI being used. I mentioned that I saw a British Airways um, advertisement uh, on a billboard, and it was an electric billboard where if uh, next to an airport, I believe next to Heathrow, uh, where whatever airplane that had taken off and flown over the billboard was casted on the billboard and creative that said, uh, you know, BA flight, you know, one, two, three, four, departing to Singapore now. And at first I thought like, wow, that's really fascinating, you know, that they were able to put all that tracking data together to be um, timely to show the time of that airplane taking off. But then I had a second thought, like, if I'm on that airplane, would I want them to know that I was where I was headed? Um, and so, you know, I kind of wonder, I feel like our conversation about is it creepy or is it cool has evolved from that to um, is is my privacy protected? Am I secure? Um, and so in some ways, like we're still having that conversation. Um, but now I feel like in the topic of AI, it's so much privacy is is so much more critical. Yeah, I think anything related to personalization, AI, I think consent, um, creepiness, that the kind of creepy factor, you know, that, that always 
plays into. And I think there's always kind of a fine line, um, you know, there. And I think that, you know, maybe we'll get into this a little bit more as we talk about data, but having, you know, a lot of data is helpful to build out these AI models. They're, they're based on data. But we need to make sure that it's done in a, in a consent and kind of privacy friendly way. I, I think that that's important, you know, going forward. And I think the industry has kind of seen that too. Yeah, and I think um, in this case, and in many cases with technology, the laws have to catch up with the technology. Uh, but um, I got to go to Connections earlier this year, and and then with Dreamforce here recently for, with Salesforce, and they're, I mean, they couldn't talk too much about their trust layer and how they are really taking that into account. So they're putting the protections in place on your data, um, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to. Um, you still have it's to protect your own data and keep that in mind of how you're going to gather and share and use it um, to make sure that people that you do honor people's privacies. Oh, yeah, that also goes back to just the original question, Jordan, you asked about, you know, how have things changed in the past year? Again, we didn't really have a lot of policies. Uh, most companies didn't have a policy on, you know, what data can you use for AI or or what can you use, especially when it comes to generative AI? You know, how does how does that fit in? Um, so I think, again, we, we've seen that as kind of an, an evolution. I think we're also seeing again in from a tooling perspective so go back to you know march april when a lot of these tools started becoming i guess center stage <clears throat> it was really just the raw technology like you know take a prompt generate some content whether that's an you know image or text or, or whatever but now we're seeing tools from you know salesforce and others where they are putting like kind of those wrappers around it making it a lot more friendly and easy to use in the context of a particular business um, as opposed to just kind of a general purpose, you know, technology. I think that is a really nice segue into the very first topic that we're talking about today um, with preparing your data foundation, which is to look at your data first. You must have quality data to train those AI models on. Um, and that's also where you start to talk about how are we protecting our data. Uh, but the thing that we hear all the time is marketers are struggling to connect disparate data sources. The concept of a CDP has been a very hot topic, but it certainly is not anything new as a concept. It's something that marketers have always been trying to do, whether it's from an analytics perspective to a personalization perspective and targeting perspective. Um, data is the one thing uh, that is going to power all of those recommendations and your AI. So it's it's certainly the place where you need to start. And that also is really intimidating as a marketer, uh, as far as like, where do I start if I have all of our disparate data sources? Um, where where would a marketer even begin as far as looking at their data foundation so that they can start to use AI? Yeah, good, good question. Um, I think so. I'm going to answer, I guess, kind of as the the technology person. And yeah, Christy, I'd I'd love to know what you think. Is kind of the you're the real marketer here. Um, so yeah, from a, a data foundation perspective, right? Having I agree with everything you said. You got to have clean data. It needs to be harmonized in a way that's kind of meaningful. Um, ideally, you scrub that data to remove anything that might 
uh, you know, have an implicit or, you know, un undesired bias, especially when you get to things like, um, you know, equality and, and, and gender and all of that. Um, I think there's a lot of natural just bias and data. So getting that data to a clean spot is, is really, really important. And again, that's where things like, um, sorry, not to go back to the tools, I suppose, but from like a, a, you know, Salesforce data cloud or any other type of kind of customer data platform where you can start to pull that data together and kind of have that picture of, of who a person is, then you can really start to build, um, I think, more accurate models and then apply those models you know, to those those people. Um, uh, Christy, what do you think from like a, a marketer perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think in order to know what data you need, you really need to lay out your whole customer life cycle. What are you doing throughout that life cycle? How are you communicating? What is uh, each customer's experience? And then you can begin to dissect like, okay, I can personalize this or I um, can segment this group and uh, uh, put this messaging in front of them and, and move them through the cycle naturally and really at their own pace. So I would look at the customer life cycle and see where what data you need and where are the data gaps and then how am I going to fill them? How am I going to get that data? Um, and then with a tool like a CDP, you can bring it all together and see it, see the data for yourself and know like, okay, now I can see the gaps and start to go back and fill them. So it's iterative, iterative. Um, but I would always start with the customer experience, I guess, the whole life cycle. Yep. Yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that. <laughs> so <laughs> I think. Yeah, that's where having kind of that that marketer or business viewpoint on it is just really, really helpful. Again, I think that the natural tendency with like data and, and AI is to just say, hey, we got a data lake out there. It's got a ton of data in it. Let's just dump that all into some AI model and, and you know, then we spit it out. Let's see what the results are. And you're going to get results. The question is, yeah, are they are they accurate? Are they good? Are they really predictive? Um, so, so starting with something cleaner and and more uh, put together, like a like a CDP, rather than just a, a raw data lake, I think is going to give you a lot better results. Well, and I think going through the practice of looking through all of your data um, helps you narrow your focus um, because we see people trying to boil the ocean all of the time. <laughs> We've got data all over the place. There's so much data, but let's just focus on the the pieces that we need specifically. Let's get started and and then we can grow into it later. Um, but I think that's another kind of gotcha that we see happen a lot. And, and it's no wonder because there's just so much data out there available. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yep, 100%, 100% agreed. Um, I also wonder too, like in terms of, you know, historically when we're talking about AI, we were talking more about kind of, I'm going to use the word traditional, um, I guess, traditional machine learning. So things like creating, I don't know, like a propensity score or clusters of, of you know, individuals. Um, I feel like the generative AI has really taken center stage and, and shadowed poor little traditional AI. Um, but, you know, what I think what generative AI has brought us to is it's not just about kind of like raw data points. 
Um, now we have to start thinking about like, well, how do we organize all of our content? So do we have kind of that foundation in place? So maybe we've got, you know, an asset management system out there with all, you know, or of our images, but are they appropriately tagged? You know, do we have anything to even, you know, kind of load into those AI models to, you know, understand, um, you know, marketing images and content and then be able to, to you know, turn that into meaningful results. So I think there's a lot, potentially a lot of work to be done from a data foundation perspective on kind of the non-text content. Yeah, it's not sounding as fun as it was at the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> now that we, we <laughs> there's a lot of homework to do. Not, yeah, it's not obviously. magic. It's yeah. <laughs> But but truly, like because the AI technology is so new, and and companies are still figuring it out, now is the time to focus on your data. Get that in order so that when the technology, when you're ready to use that technology, the data is going to be there for you. Um, and these are simple things like. Do you have an enterprise data dictionary? Um, do you have naming conventions? Are you using them? Um, do you enforce like pick lists or do you not allow null values when you're entering data? Um, do you have an owner for each data source who is ultimately responsible for its quality and maintenance? I mean, these are kind of like a little checklist of things that you can be doing now to prepare to make sure that if, uh, you know, when you do lean into that data, it's going to be there and it's going to be usable. That reminds me of, um, I think we've probably all, you know, done the the fun, you know, kind of traditional corporate training where you talk about data, privacy and security and um, data stewardship. And I've been, in, you know, seen some of those in the past where it's like, a you know, a knight or some other kind of cartoonish character where they try to make it fun. But that's kind of exactly what we need here. Like, this is where you really need, you know, data stewards that kind of own that data. So just to your point, Christy, like enforcing, you know, that it, that it's clean, that there's, you know, everything is properly tagged. Um, kind of a, an owner. So uh, I, I was laughing about those those trainings, but turns out actually they're they're probably been beneficial right now. <laughs> <laughs> I we think the other knight. thing <laughs> we will knight you, Sir Esham. <laughs> uh, you can be our data master, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, I think uh, the other thing that can come out, the positive thing that could come out of preparing for your data for AI and could maybe make it fun for you, Jordan, um, is really we can finally maybe break down those silos uh, because data is the great equalizer here. Everybody in the organization needs it. Um, everybody realizes its value and everyone can contribute to uh, the quality of the data, and you're going to have to work together to get it there. Um, so there is some good opportunity there, um, if nothing else, to work across um, teams and uh, work together. It's, uh, you know, you may have a data collection team, you may have that um, person who oversees it, that owner, but then the marketer might be just the end user of it. Uh, but you all need to work together to make sure that you've got the data you need and that it's in good quality. So there's hope there. Break those silos down eventually. I think what Christy, you always do a really nice job of bringing it back to goals, bringing it back to the customer experience. 
And a lot of time too, and we we are guilty of this as well, being in a consultancy, is we can explore technology for technology's sake. We kind of just want to see what it can do and see what's out there. So I think Christy's advice is so sound in saying that data is the great equalizer. It's the thing that everybody in your company needs to be successful. So if you can paint the story of how it will improve your customer's experience, then you can create some buy-in to make mm-hmm. those updates to the data. And so maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not as boring as like, hey, we have to go, you know, do all of this really important uh, data practice work and kind of like eat our Wheaties to prepare for the use cases and the customer story. You can kind of paint those stories in advance of the work and create your collection data strategy based on the customer experience that you want to create. Mm-hmm. Well, and it it can become a challenge of change management too because you're going to be working across teams. It's going to be important to uh, show the value. Why? Why do we need to do this? Um, and and it really does take a champion to uh, keep teams informed um, and always be showing them the value and the why um, and moving the projects along because these uh, these types of projects are the first ones to kind of stagnate. They just fall away. <laughs> like people forget about them, unfortunately. Um, but if you can have a good change management plan to support all these new data practices that you're putting in place, then you're going to be able to get it, get the data and use it for these newer and uh, better technologies. I again completely agree. I think um, one one question you know I could see people asking as well here is you know do I really need to go through all this work just for for AI or am I going to do all this work and get my data clean and then great I can run AI on that. Um, what are the you know, what are the other benefits? And I think you know this again this isn't really just for AI. I mean cleaning up your data, getting things into kind of that proper foundation, building that foundation is really like the goal for any kind of I guess future I'd say initiatives for lack of a better word. Um, so whether it's you know from a personalization perspective, a segmentation perspective, analytics. I mean it's not just to power AI. So mm-hmm just to kind of bring it back to a, a larger picture, having data clean is, is beneficial in, in a lot of different areas. I mean, it's really one of uh, the company's best assets. And you think about yeah. your your staff and your people, but it's also your data as well. So you would want to take care of it and invest in it. Um, and Brian, all for all those reasons you just mentioned, um, we're talking about AI, but it does, it powers personalization, segmentation, and the analytics, all the things in between too. Um, so yeah. Do you think that marketers need to have the majority of their data foundation in place before pursuing AI? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, depends on what you mean by the the majority. I would say, I mean, more more is always better, I suppose. Um, but no, do you have to have every single piece of data? No. Um, I think if you start with kind of the the core of it, so, you know, focus on who are our customers first, like, you know, who do, what data do we have on them? Um, so what is kind of the, the root of it, you know, some of that kind of base level data um, <clears throat> and then and then start kind of adding on from there. So mm-hmm. do we, you know, need to bring in our e-commerce data and know what kind of, you know, order information and, you know, things like that? 
maybe app engagement, web engagement, all that, you know, layering those on kind of one at a time. I think that's that's a very valid strategy. Um, so I think Christy used the, used the point earlier of you don't have to boil the ocean. Um, and so I would say, no, you don't need to bring that all in at, at, at once. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's something that we help our teams do is prioritize like when we when we're yeah. talking about strategy we you know lay out uh what all the all of the use cases are but then we narrow that down we prioritize them and we try to get a mix of quick wins so you can see the results but also the things that are going to drive the biggest results give you a impact in the long term so um so we, you know, we help our clients prioritize the data anyway, going back to there is so much of it um, and, you know, throw in all of the different technologies. I mean, we're talking a little bit about CDP and AI, but, you know, all of the marketing automation tools that organizations use. I don't know. What is the average now we're up to? Like 30 oh, right. <laughs> different uh, marketing platforms at, for any organization. So, um really focusing in on the right ones to get you up and running. Um, and then before long, you know, you know what to do and you can uh, build out your data practice. Yeah. Yeah, that priority is is definitely important. Um, otherwise, yeah, if you try to bring everything in and clean everything at once, I mean, it'll be three years until you're ready for that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the priorities and quick wins, those are a great way to, to focus. Mm -hmm. I think Christy has a really good point too. Like if you don't know where to start, maybe bring in a partner. Maybe there is somebody else who can help you prioritize that list. At the very least can help bring the teams together within each data source owner to have a conversation about what is our what is our customer centric strategy? Um, how do we all contribute to this plan? I think that's really what's challenging in marketing is that everyone is incented so differently in their day-to-day -day roles that it's hard to see anybody in the center owning an initiative like like data foundation or like customer experience so in that in those situations where you're feeling like maybe you need help with change management maybe you need help with looking at your data prioritizing maybe you just need another voice to start those conversations to be on track so that you can have an enterprise data dictionary or um, some sort of data collection strategy that you own long term look to a partner look to another partner who can be um an, an influential third party in your business yep very, very fair point. I mean, these are are not, you know, simple things to to kind of solve in terms of like data, data quality, getting into the details of the data and trying to figure out how do we structure that from a foundational perspective. So yeah, bringing in kind of some out an outside perspective and just yeah, that experience. I think that I think it goes a long way. Um, well, Christy, one what of do the you think? things yeah. well, I was gonna say, I have learned in being on projects with you, Brian and Jordan, um, the importance of you know, laying out those initial MVP use cases, like what do we need to do, but also setting up whether it's, you know, whatever the platform is, uh, let's just say it's uh, a CDP, um, building it with a framework in mind, like building it for the future. Like we're going to get these first 
use cases built and done, and we're going to prioritize them. But we want the structure, the data architecture and the data model, the structure of it all outlined and ready to go so that you're ready to move to the next one um, once you've gotten those first ones launched. So um, it's it's a balance. You know, you got to think for the now, but also build for the future and um, having that strategic plan in place kind of helps you do that. Yeah, it's, there's definitely a push and pull there for sure and a balance. Uh, I, I absolutely agree with that. That you know, trying to balance those. What can we do in the short term um, that's not going to require boiling the ocean, but you know, make sure that we're not essentially creating like technical debt. So how do we how do we make sure we've got the whole plan? Like we we know what the um, the long-term strategy is going to look like. We know what the model is going to be, but then which pieces of it can we tackle? So again, back to those use cases, use that to prioritize. I think that's that's awesome. I have to say too, psychologically, we just need those small wins throughout a project mm. to keep our motivation going. <laughs> so I, I think yes. it's it's really funny because in a silo, these problems seem so simple. And then when you get out into the real world and you have to deal with people and processes, then it's really it's really interesting how those problems uh, evolve. And so <laughs> the other part of me is like, you need a strategy as well, just so that everybody has something that they're pointed towards. Everybody's rowing in the same direction. There are small wins along the way leading up to those really big wins, because the idea of having to create a full data foundation for every single use case is daunting, and it doesn't have to be. Um, I really like what you're both saying about, you know, starting somewhere, making the plan, um, and being able to make progress while the plan evolves. Yeah, for for sure. I think that's, I mean, I, as a consultant, again, I've had numerous conversations before about, you know, data cleanup. And usually whenever you get to that conversation of like cleaning up the data in the source or where it lives today, it's usually, <laughs> oh, that's going to be way too much work. There's no way all the, you know, stakeholders that are involved and so forth. Um, but yeah, I think that's where if you bring in a, you know, kind of a partner to help you with that and prioritize. And if we're talking about putting that into somewhere new, like a CDP, then I think that's a little bit more um, appealing. So you can you can try to kind of take that on. You're not talking about, OK, we got to re-engineer everything. Let's just clean it up as we're putting it into something more modern. Well, and I think another thing that can help motivate the teams that are going to be responsible for this data is making sure that your use cases align to your company goals, whether that's the overall corporate or just your marketing goals. Because that way, when you go to make the ask, like, oh my gosh, you need to clean up this data, um, you can say, but because it's going to help us do this, you know, reach more uh, prospects or convert more prospects, you know. And so I think tying everything to the goals, um, even to data collection to your goal will uh, help keep the team going and aligned to where you're headed. Well, since you have laid out all of the fun data work that gets to happen, let me just ask for those of us who are looking for something um, a little more sexy, uh, <laughs> what is the light at the end of the tunnel? What are the AI possibilities? Once I do all of the work of creating a data foundation, wh what is the 
uh, goal? What's the finish line look like for what I could use AI for in the world of marketing? What kind of possibilities does generative AI open for marketers? Christy, do you want to, I'll let you go first, actually, as, the, as kind of the marketer, because, again, yeah. I'll, I've got some cool things, but, yeah, um, yeah, you kind of got the the marketing lens here. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, right off the bat, there's content creation, so copywriting, uh, image selection. Um, I think efficiency is a big one um, because our marketing teams are so tapped and we just don't have enough time in the day. And so anything that we can do to um, make these processes easier, smoother, faster is going to um, hopefully free up time to be more strategic, to focus on the goals and the outcomes and not necessarily how the sausage is made um, and making the sausage. Um, so I, those are two of the things that I'm most excited about, but also really finally tapping into all that data. You've spent all this time collecting it, structuring it, moving it around, but with AI, now you've got the engine that can interpret it and you know give you some good and new ideas and approaches. So that to me is very exciting. Yeah, I, I I love the kind of the idea of the the, the cost savings, the efficiency angle. Um, I a lot of times will tell people, at least in current state right now, <clears throat> we're talking about generative AI. It's not a better, faster, cheaper thing. It's more of an equivalent, faster, cheaper. So it is kind of a cost savings and like efficiency play. Um, I know for me, there's a couple of things that you know I've talked to clients around um, that I I'm kind of excited about when we get to that point, but thinking through like product placement. Um, so rather than spending a, a, a huge amount of the budget, you know, <clears throat> taking your product out, putting it in different, you know, placements and and all those photo shoots and all that, if you can have just kind of that stock image ready to go of that product, and then you just generate the background around it essentially. And, you know, whether it's a pair of shoes on a, on a hiking trail or on somebody actually running, um, you know, is the technology there today? Not quite, but it's but it's getting closer. Um, so th that's one use case I could see being very popular from like a retail perspective. So I would just add, if there was anything else that was really important to say about getting your data ready for AI, um, you know, Salesforce just announced at Dreamforce that you can get free data cloud and Tableau trials. And um, how cool is that? You know, you can get in there and play around with it. But I would just say, you know, just have that strategy, strategic mind in place before you just jump right in. Um, what are you trying to accomplish? What are your goals? Um, you know, what what are you going to do with these new fancy tools um, so that you can plan and it, you're not going to just be spinning your wheels or after the trial, you're you're kind of ready to go. You have a good idea of what you need to do from there. Um, but there were lots of things, uh, lots of exciting things coming um, from Salesforce with regard to Data Cloud and Einstein, all the AI tools. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, the the free Data Cloud for sure is great. I think that gets you in there to, like I said, start to maybe play around with it. And then you can start to see this is how I could build my data foundation. Um, and so if you kind of get a sense for that and start to put together your strategy there, then that's going to allow you to, to use some of the other new tools that are that are coming to Salesforce demo there. Um, so you know, one of them was we saw was Prompt Studio. 
Um, so I know your prompt engineering has come up also on the list of things that are new this year. Uh, you know, prompt engineer is as an actual role. Um, so knowing, you know, how do we use these AI tools? How do we write these prompts correctly? Um, you know, Salesforce is really trying to help there with giving you a, a playground and a foundation for that to say, let's come in here <clears throat> into Prompt Studio. We'll build out, you know, our prompts. We'll see what those models are going to spit out as a result and then be able to really refine those. So I think, it, again, it's taking kind of that raw technology and then putting it into the hands of the marketer or the business user um, to be able to kind of rely on that, or, you know, based, based on that, you know, strong data foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, I was one of the AI prompts they were talking about was segment creation, where you can just um, kind of even verbally uh, say describe what the segment you want to build in, and then it'll crank it out for you. Um, so that's a time saver. Um, plus, it might yeah. um, feed you some uh, information that you hadn't even thought of yet. Um, Einstein lookalikes sounds pretty cool where you can it can just broaden your highest performing segments. So you start with your high performers and then you can go a little bit further to catch a few more people. Um, so lots of fun stuff coming. Tableau Pulse was another one where you can measure your segments um, growth over time or their performance over time. Um, so we're eager to see that one in action. Um, lots of things coming. Yep. Yeah, no, there's a, a customizable or configurable propensity score as well. So again, it's kind of outside of the generative AI, but more of the traditional AI. I mean, I think that's going to be great too. Um, again, just even doing basic propensity is really, really helpful. But it's it's hard if you're not a data scientist. So putting that also in the power of hand or putting that in the hands of marketers, um, I think mm -hmm. is going to be going to be really cool. So yeah, a lot of a lot of cool AI tools kind of coming based on this Data Cloud Foundation. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Level Up. Looking to continue to level up your knowledge on the latest news, technology, and marketing trends affecting marketers day to day? New episodes of Level Up come out every other week on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thank you for leveling up your marketing knowledge with us. Mm -hmm.